Well, good morning, High Point. I'm gonna grab my stand. I'm not as cool as Pastor David. I gotta get my own. <laughs> oh man, it's great to be with you this morning in the house of the Lord. I'm uh, excited and blessed to bring a message to you today. Pastor David is uh, still out of town. Um, and keep him and his family in your, in your prayers, please. Um, but I'm excited to be here this morning. All right? I'm excited to be here this morning. Um, crazy. I was just uh, I was looking at my, at my phone. Some of you guys were probably like, why is Pastor Anthony on his phone? That's so disrespectful. I was looking at my phone because I was trying to remember the exact date. Um, two years ago, on June the 2nd, which was four days ago, but it was the first Sunday of June in 2019, um, I was installed here as the youth pastor, um, and I cannot believe that I have been here, that me and my wife have been here for two years, um, and it's just a blessing. So it's kind of a, a fun, uh, like fun fact, I guess, that uh, here two years later I get to bring you a message on the first Sunday of June. So it's a blessing and an honor for me. Um, if you don't know who I am, my name is uh, Pastor Anthony Garza. I'm the youth pastor here at High Point. And I love youth, all right? I love youth. I love students. Uh, I uh, teach and preach to the uh, middle schoolers and high schoolers here at High Point. Um, and it's, it's the, seriously like the best job I ever had. People always ask me, you know, hey, are you like, are you nervous? You know, you're going to preach in, in the big service, you know, adult service. And I'm like, no, um, I, I, I love speaking, um, but I get way more nervous every single time I speak to middle schoolers um, because they are ruthless. Uh, <laughs> they will let you know how it is. Like, Pastor Anthony, you know, your, your shirt's untucked. I didn't really hear what you were saying. Um, <laughs> yeah, so uh, I get way more nervous because I, I care way, and this might be a flaw. Uh, if it is, oh, well, I'm in church. I confess it. Um, I care way too much about what students think of me. Uh, you guys, uh, I mean, I love you. I love you, but I'm confident in who I am. Uh, but seriously, middle schoolers, you got to watch out for them, guys. Uh, <laughs> um, but, well, I wanted to start out this message uh, this morning. It's, it's kind of humorous. Uh, you know me. I like, to, I like to present you guys with some, some information every single time I speak. And a uh, hundred years ago, we went through uh, very similar things um, as, a, as a church, as a nation, uh, as human beings, uh, as we went through these last couple of years. But there are some things that if you were to say 100 years ago, I guarantee you would not make sense. Um, so, I would like to read you some sentences that I came up with all by myself. <laughs> mom, I'm grown up. She's watching online. I love you, Mom. <laughs> wow, I can store 1.4 megabytes on this floppy disk. And all the young people don't know what that is. They think it's a real-life save icon. <laughs> Gas is $4 a gallon. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense today. <laughs> uh, OMG, I learned this new life hack on a Facebook video. 
you imagine saying that 100 years ago? <laughs> uh, I need to update my relationship status so my friends across the world can know very intimate details about me in my life. This one, I love this one. I, look as, I love youth. Fortnite is such a fun game. And people back then would be like, how is the length of time a fun game? That's really strange. Uh, and this one, I, I think this one's pretty funny, but the Dutch brothers make the best drinks. <laughs> could, could you imagine that 100 years ago? Like, what? The Dutch guys who just came to town? Like, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> But this morning, what I, what I want to talk to you guys about is, is some things that I think we went through, uh, but also some things that I think we should be looking forward to. Uh, in the last year, um, I, 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 I say I've been here for a couple of years, I didn't really have a true Red Bluff summer yet. Um, I did in my house with the heat and the AC and the power bill, but... <laughs> um, I got here in 2019, and then the next week we went to summer camp, and then we came back, and then we had mega sports camp, and I got to experience all that kind of stuff. And then last year, we had to watch church online, and it was rough. And things felt really lonely at times. And students, I think, students took the brunt of what we experienced as a country having to go through things, having to, to figure out and adjust life online. I, I could not imagine being a high schooler and, and, and saying, hey, you have to do all your assignments on time every day and tune in for a couple of videos. I would, I, just me, I, I, can I be honest with you guys? You, you're my family, okay? All right? I'm gonna, be, I'm gonna be honest with you guys. I probably wouldn't have cared. And so I am extremely proud of our students here at this church. We're going to be honoring the eighth grade and high school graduates at the 11 a.m. service. But I am so proud of the resiliency of these students who have had to go through some of the hardest things. Yes, we as adults, we have to, you know, we have to, we have jobs, we have bills, we have all these things. But they had to figure out life. They had sports taken away from them. They had so many things. And, and more than that, I think we experienced many things. And I'm not going to talk about this too long because I'm tired of talking about 2020. But I want to preface what I'm going to speak to you guys on today. But we experienced loss. We experienced a lot of things that were really tough. And so what I want to talk to you guys about today is what does it look like to win in this life? Here on this earth, as a Christian, as a Christ follower, as we are walking towards the finish line or running towards the finish line, which is heaven, do we have to wait to heaven to experience wins or can we experience a little bit of heaven on earth? So, what I want to ask you guys today is what is a win? If we're, if we're talking about winning and losing, what does a win actually look like? If you were to break down in our Christian faith and what we believe in God, if you were to break it down to the very bare minimum nuts and bolts of our faith, 
what would winning look like? Now, I want to let you know, I'm not going to sit up here and, and preach you the, the message of you're supposed to be prosperous and, and have blessings 100% of the time and never experience anything bad in your life. I'm not that kind of preacher. But what I am going to tell you this morning is just because we live in a sinful world does not mean that you cannot experience a win. But to me, in order to understand what a win is, you first have to understand who you are and who God is. The base, the foundation, right? The, the lens which you see everything through has to be Christ. It has to be. In order to understand a win, you must understand an I, your identity and your value. In order to understand a win, you have to understand who you are and what your value is. And here is why. My Bible teacher in high school, Mr. Collins, would always say this. He wrote it up on his whiteboard. Life is like a tube of toothpaste. When you get stepped on, what's inside comes out. And I think if we're all honest, at times, things come out of us that we do not like. Oh, oh man, I didn't know that was inside of my heart. Sorry, Jesus. Whoa. But I think sometimes we experience things, we experience pressure, we experience situations so that God, it's not as punishment, but maybe, perhaps, just maybe, it's the Holy Spirit's way of saying, hey, here's what your heart looks like. You need me. And I know that Pastor Chris has shared this example many times, but I have to identify and agree with it that sometimes my spouse, my beautiful wife, is that thing that helps me see what's really inside my heart. Hey, you're being kind of a jerk right now. No, I'm not, I'm just, I'm just, you know. No, you're being a jerk right now. <sighs> Sorry, Jesus, I'm being a jerk right now. Please help me be better, right? There's times in our lives where we see and we have the, uh, a mirror to ourselves and honestly, that is what the Bible is. It talks about in James. That the law, the word of God is a mirror which we can see inside of ourselves. I believe that 2020 let us know what our identity was. Honestly, I think everybody experienced what their true colors were. I think us as a nation did. I think churches across the U.S. did. I think we as human beings really found out what we're made of. What is our identity in? What are the things that we hold dear? What are the things that we put above God? Not at this church, but other churches. Some people put church above God. Some people, all they do is come to church <laughs> and serve, which I, I, trust me, I want you to serve. I want you to get plugged in. I'm gonna talk about that a little bit later. But if the only reason why you are at church is to be there for other people and not to get fed from the Lord and experience rest on the Sabbath, then your identity might be waving. We're coming up here on the Olympics, the 2020 Olympics, believe it or not. 
because it got pushed back a year thanks to uh, the unmentionable virus. Um, but we're coming up on the Olympics. I myself am not an Olympic athlete. Uh, I like to consider myself an athlete. I'm not the best. Um, but if you catch me on the basketball court or the football field, I'll pretend that I'm the best. Um, but I have a lot of athletic friends. Um, when I was at Oral Roberts University, I was the resident advisor on the basketball floor. Uh, a little bit earlier this year, my team uh, went all the way to the Elite Eight, um, which was pretty fantastic, Oral Roberts University. Um, so I have a lot of friends. I, I've seen a lot of things, and I, I know some people who have gone through this, and I experienced this a little bit as a high school athlete, but I'm not gonna compare myself to people who have actually played sports professionally. But there's something that happens when an athlete's career comes to an end. And that is when sports career termination, which causes uh, depression in a lot of athletes. And I think now that we're living in a society where mental health is extremely important, we're starting to train more people on what that looks like and how to prepare athletes to re-enter society. Uh, I watched a video the other day of, of, a, of a college athlete and she was saying, I've trained my whole life for this sport. My whole life, I've given up summers from since I was in the sixth grade all the way to college. I've given up spring breaks. I haven't had a normal life. I've loved my sport, but nobody really prepared me of what it would look like to go from 100% to nothing immediately. Your body reacts differently. The endorphins and the things that were happening in your brain are no longer happening. And if you're not careful, Your identity and who you are can become that sport rather than God. And I think if we're all honest, we have things in our life that we can compare to sports. But I want to read this to you. It's from BelieveReform.com. And it says, sports career termination induces dramatic change in athletes' personal, social, and occupational lives. This can turn into uh, turn in turn potentially affect individuals cognitively, emotionally, and behaviorally. The social and professional changes induced by retirement from a sport can affect, cause distressful reactions. These retired athletes express a feeling of emptiness in their lives. And one of the main stakes of this transition is to therefore reconstruct themselves on the basis of a new lifestyle. They go on to explain that the two biggest reasons for this feeling is one, loss of identity, and two, tunnel vision. They focus so much on this one thing that they don't know who they are outside of it. Now that sounds like I'm describing us in this life and not just athletes. But the reason why we must understand our identity first in order to understand a win is because if our identity is only in the things that we can accomplish, or if they're only in our goals and not the one who lets us achieve those goals, then when we either reach those goals or don't reach those goals, our identity is lost. Our identity is lost. What do I mean by that? Well, if you were to live your life 
for one huge goal. You, you put, put, put your goal there in that blank. If you were to reach that goal, and that was your entire identity, then what happens after you reach it? What's next? What else do you have in this life? You've done it all. There's nothing else for you. Or on the flip side, you have this a, a huge, amazing goal, and you don't live up to that expectation, and you don't reach that goal, then you might get down on yourself, and you might not know who you are. I experienced this a little bit. You know, you know again, I'm not a major professional athlete. I played three sports in high school. But when I was in college, I really wanted to be an engineer. I really wanted to be an engineering major. And due to some life circumstances and due to some poor habits and things that I learned who Anthony was, I had, uh, you know, everything I'm preaching to you today, I found out who I was in college. But what I ended up happening is I switched my major from engineering to mathematics because I only needed a couple more mathematics courses so I could just get out of college. <laughs> my wife had already graduated a year and a half before, and she was, you know, the working, paying all the bills, and I was like going to class and uh, cleaning the dishes and cleaning the house. Like, and that was our life. Um, but I remember sitting in our kitchen of our 602 square foot apartment and looking at my wife crying and saying, I don't, I don't know who I am. Like, I don't know what I'm gonna do. What, what, am, I gonna just, am, I, am I just gonna be a, like a math teacher now? Like, everything that I had in my mind now got taken away. What am I gonna do? I mean, there's a lot of things you could do with a mathematics degree. I didn't know at the time that I'd become a youth pastor. But sometimes life happens. Sometimes life just happens. And you have to know who you are. God knows who you are. Genesis 1.27 says, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Psalm 139.13 and 14 says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. So if Christ, if God in heaven knows everything there is to know about you, and he knows who you are and what makes you tick, he knows your identity, then why not ask him? to reveal that identity to you. He will let you know. He will show you who it is that you are. I've heard pastors say this before, and I, and I believe it, and I believe it's a part of worship. The more you tell God who he is, right? We lift him up, we praise him, we exalt him. We say, God, you're so worthy. God, you're my healer. God, you're my provider. And when we admit the, the, the word of God back unto God and we, we start to believe that in our spirit, the Lord has a way of revealing who you are to yourself. 
And I believe that so strongly. So in this life, Paul talks about this a lot. If you haven't read the New Testament, I suggest you do. It's a great book. He says that all the runners run. We know that we are all running a race called life. We are all running a race called life. Philippians 3, verse 12 through 14 says, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. 1 Corinthians 9.24 Do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way to get the prize. So we have to know who we are. We have to know what we are and whose we are in order to understand what a win is. What a win is. And this is because if my identity is wrapped up only in the earthly things rather than the one who created all things, I will be lost. If, 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 if the most precious thing in your life was taken away from you, would you still be you? If your job was taken away from you, if your car was taken away from you, if your house was taken away from you, if you actually went through persecution for your faith, would you still be who you are? Or would your identity be lost in those physical things? So once we understand who we are and what a win is, then we can go on to keep on winning and identify our wins. So here's what I believe a win is. You know your identity. You know who you are. This is what I, and listen, this is, you know, this is not doctrine. This is not written in God's word that says this is a win, okay? But this is what I believe. And you can line this up with scripture for yourself. I believe that the most basic of wins in this life is saying yes to Jesus and saying no to our flesh. Saying yes to Jesus, running towards the prize, and saying no to sin. If we do that in this life, whether we're experiencing the highest of highs or the lowest of lows, if I said yes to Jesus today, that's a win. Oh, I lost my job. Am, am I going to wallow in, in self-pity? Or am I going to thank God that he's going to bring me another one? What is it that you rely on? Is it yourself or is it God? There's a couple of ways that we can win in this life. And the first and foremost, the most important one, obviously, is God. 
In order to win, if you wanna know how to win, you have to know God. You have to. Psalm 121, I'm gonna read this whole book. It's pretty short. Psalm 121 says, I lift my eyes up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over you, over your coming and going both now and forevermore. God is our protector. God is our provider. God is the overseer of our lives. And all we have to do is say, hey, God, I want to be in line with you. Show me your will for today. Show me how to win today. God, please help me. You are, it says here in Psalms, you are where my help comes from. And sometimes I think that we look at everything else in this life. I know that I do. I'm, I'm a perfectionist. I'm a fixer. A lot of men were, right? Men just want to fix things. We want to solve things. If you didn't know, my, my wife has had a, a kind of a hard time in this pregnancy uh, with hyperemesis and all this kind of stuff. And it's so hard, and it sounds really dumb, right? Because she's the one going through everything. But as a man, it's difficult. Because all I can do is, is watch and pray. I can't make her body magically stop or magically start eating foods. Like, I can't do that. And sometimes here in this life, we look at our own strength and we look at our own selves and we want to win all by ourselves and we want to fix it by ourselves rather than turning to the one in which our help comes from. And I think it's at these times when we look and we say, okay, God, what are you doing? First and foremost, please tell me what's going on. And two, please help me. Please help me. We have to ask for help. Another thing that Paul talks about so much in this life, and I believe this is working with God, is partnering with God, is, the, is self-discipline. If you want to experience wins in this life, remember I said saying yes to Jesus and saying no to yourself, Paul talks about this struggle between the spirit man and flesh all the time. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27 says, do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way to get the prize. Verse 25, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave. So that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Again, talking about the Olympics, right? Here in, in, in Corinth was kind of across the bay, uh, if you were to look at it on a map, across the bay from Athens. And, and Paul here is using a, t a technique that a lot of preachers still use today, and I did a little bit earlier, and that's use examples of life that people understand. 
and one of those is sports. And in Athens, in the Olympics, in this time, they would compete, right? They would run a race, and then they would get a, a, a wreath crown that would eventually fade away, right? And so what Paul is saying here, he's not dissing athletes. He's not saying that what they're doing is dumb, but what he is saying is they are, are training themselves, right? They're shadow boxing. They're, they're, they're beating their bodies into submission to peak physical form in order to win a prize that will bring them joy, satisfaction, whatever you want to call it. But what he is saying is spiritually we must do the same. We must train up our bodies to follow Christ, even when we don't feel like it. Even when times get tough. Am I going to say yes to Jesus and keep running around this racetrack, or am I going to stop? Am I going to say no? Am I going to wallow in my own self-pity and sin? Or am I going to keep moving forward? And listen, church, I'm preaching to myself today. Because sometimes life is hard. Remember I said at the beginning, it's not all sunshines and rainbows and blessings and, and it's all 100% all the time. Sometimes life is hard. But what would you have? I had coaches tell me this all the time. What would you rather have? The pain of regret or the pain of discipline? Would you rather have the pain of regret or the pain of discipline? I personally would rather have the pain of training my body, reading my Bible when I don't feel like it, praying when I don't feel like it, worshiping when I don't feel like it, believing when I don't feel like it, rather than at the end of my life looking back and, and regretting it. I want to run in such a way to win the prize. So the first way that we can win in this life is with God. God will help you. God will be your sustainer. God will be your provider. The second way that we can win in this life is with others. Pastor Chris brought an amazing message last week on what the church is. And it's together with the body of believers that we can win. Ecclesiastes 4.12 says, though, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Matthew 18.20, for where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. Matthew 18.19, again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Proverbs 27.17, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Now, there are people in this world, not here at this church, who say, I don't need church. I got my Bible. I, I, I got, you know, Joe Schmo off YouTube, who, who is very theologically sound. <laughs> I don't need church. If that was the case, if that was the case, why did God choose to talk about meeting together so often? Why did Jesus have 12 people hanging out with him all the time? Why did Jesus have three best friends? Why is it that together we are stronger, but 
not on Sundays. Church is important. And the reason why I want to share this with you is, again, not at this church because this church is awesome, but at other churches, summertime is the time to relax. And I believe that. I believe it's a time to take vacation. It's a time to, to, to live and enjoy time with your families. But oftentimes what ends up happening is we take a break spiritually as well. Now, I'm not saying that if you go on vacation and miss a Sunday that you are horrible. No, I'm not saying that. I just missed a Sunday a couple weeks ago to go to Disney World with my wife. And it was great. But what I am saying is if you do not continue to make God and church a priority in your life, you'll, <laughs> you'll come back in August and say, what happened to me? Right? And I, what I want you guys to experience this year and this summer is winning. I want us as a body of Christ to keep on keeping on, to keep on moving forward. We accomplished so much last year. Two years ago, we did not have any sort of online presence whatsoever. We grew in a pandemic. You guys outgave yourselves in 2020 than 2019. You guys are one of the best families that I have personally ever been a part of, and I am so excited to have a family pretty soon to join this family. But what I am saying is, is that we cannot look back and say, oh, we did so good. I don't have to go to church this morning. I could just sleep in my hot house and not worry about the beautiful air conditioner at church. Right? And go to uh, the bedside Baptist with Pastor Pillow and Sister Sheets. <laughs> I, I heard one, one lady, she took it a step further and she said, and the Holy Spirit, the comforter. <laughs> now trust me, I've been there. I've been there as well. Summers in Oklahoma when I was in college, there was times where I was like, I don't need to wake up for church today. But what ends up happening is that you're detaching yourself from the bride of Christ and you're not growing. If you truly love God, you will also love his bride. At least that's what I believe. But just as iron sharpens iron, we ought to sharpen one another. The word of the Lord says that we ought to, to spur one another on in love and good deeds and to not forsake the gathering of the saints like many people do. I want to encourage you all that just because we survived and we grew and we did all this stuff, that that does not mean that we can just mail it in. There is still much to be done in the kingdom of God. There's still much to be done in this city. There's still much to be done in your household. There's still much to be done in your children's lives. There's still much to be done in your families. And I want us to win. I want High Point Assembly to win. I want you to win. I want your children to win. I want your family and your grandparents and your great-grandparents to win. 
One thing that I require of my student leaders in youth is that they attend church on Sunday. And for some, it's really difficult. There's more youth that have jobs now than when I was in high school. And it's really difficult, but I've had conversations before where I try to explain to them the habits you build now will be the foundation for your families in the future. If you make Sundays a priority now, if you make meeting together in small groups or meeting at young adults or or meeting uh, for, for classes a priority in your life, then you will establish a legacy for your family forever. And that leads me to my next point. Why should you win? Why? If we know that one day we will get to heaven and that is the prize, the race we are running for, once I accept Jesus into my life, I'm good. Right? I don't, I got it. I got it all. I've achieved the maximum goal here on this earth. Now, if that's you, I'm really sorry. Because I firmly believe that just like the Lord's Prayer on earth as it is in heaven. I can experience miracles here on earth. Miracles are still happening. And if you were to look at me and tell me that what, did not, what, what happened last week and the miracle and testimony that we shared this morning of, of Marley, you cannot convince me that the Lord is not real. That miracles still happen. That lives still change. That God still wins victories for us. Now, even though bad things happen in this life, we have a great God who wants you to experience a little bit of heaven on earth. That's why he gave us his Holy Spirit. But why should we win? Why should we not just mail it in or phone it in and just sit on the couch till we go to heaven? Here's why. First reason, in my opinion, if we win in heaven, we can win on earth. If we win in heaven, we can win on earth. Second reason is others have won too. We have seen other people win in this life. We have seen other people have successful lives. We have seen people impact the kingdom of God in great ways. And if they did, we can too. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3 says, Therefore, since we are, are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. There's the race again. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of, 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 pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Now, in Hebrews chapter 11, Paul explained and basically talked about the forefathers in the faith. And then in Hebrews chapter 12, he says, Therefore... Since they're all up in heaven, having witnessed this life, right? They're not up in heaven, like, watching and saying, oh, look, 
oh, Anthony messed up today. Oh, how cute, right? Like, no, that's not what Paul is saying here. What Paul is saying here is that we have witnesses to our faith who have gone through it, who have seen it. And I shared this with the young adults, and I'll share it here with you guys, that one of the greatest examples of this to me was my grandmother, Eva Garza. She had 11 kids in a two-bed, no, three-bed, one-bathroom house. There was always a baby in the house, always. And she cooked and she cleaned and she loved the Lord and she established a legacy, the likes of which I've never personally seen. And I'm not saying that my family's better than anybody else's, but what I am saying is that many years ago, my grandma said yes to Jesus. And she came from Mexico and she raised a family in the state of Washington. And now every single one of her children are serving the Lord. And every single one of her grandchildren are serving the Lord. All 47 of us. Yeah. So what I, when I read this verse, I think, I know what she went through. I know the heart surgery she went through and she was supposed to die. But she lived an extra 15 years. I know I've seen her go through things. I've seen her battle with diabetes. I've seen her do all this stuff. And she always said yes to Jesus. Therefore, since I'm surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, I can do it. And that's what Paul is saying here. He's saying people have done it before. You can do it. And by the way, Jesus did it too. And he endured the cross for us. Another reason why I believe that we ought to win in this life is to be witnesses for God. Once you reach salvation, once you know the saving power of God, when you experience that, there's this natural thing that happens that you want to share it with others. Now, normally it's in new Christians, new believers who experience this rush of salvation, but sometimes 20 years later, 15 years later, we find ourselves on the couch not super excited about our salvation anymore. And that's why it says in God's word to return to you the joy of your salvation. But if you experience this win in your life, called salvation and you know you're going to go to heaven I believe that we ought to be witnesses for God in this life and help others win too my mom for as long as I can remember said I'm going to heaven and I'm taking as many people as I can with me Acts 1.8 but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth You will be my witnesses. And listen, even here, it's not by yourself. It's with the power of the Holy Spirit in you. The last reason why I believe, well, second to last, and I'm going to (laughs) end. Because you can. 
If you can win, if you can experience joy here on earth, if you can experience happiness, if you can experience family, if you can do all these things, why not experience them? You can. God did not give you a spirit of fear or defeat. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For the spirit of God, for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Scott, if you and the team want to make your way up here, I'm going to close this down. We can win in this life. I'm going to read you guys a long passage. It's 1 Corinthians 15, 50 through 58. And I believe this is such an encouragement to, to me, and hopefully it is to you. But it says, I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised, imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on the immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written. Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. This verse is so encouraging to me because when I go through hard times and I experience things that don't make sense and sometimes don't even feel fair, I know that I am living in mortality right now. And one day when I cross the finish line and I enter heaven's gates and I put on the imperishable and I put on immortality in Christ, I know That if I have victory there, I can have victory here. Verse 57, I love it so much. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. If God has already won the victory, then why can you not experience a little bit of victory today? Now again, I'm preaching you a message that I have been walking out the last few months. Because I, I don't know about you, but I'm at a point in my life when I'm about to enter this summer, I don't wanna hit a low spot. I don't wanna experience a lull. I don't wanna experience sadness or depression or anything. Things that were really hard last year when we weren't able to meet but I want to win. I want to experience victory. I don't want to walk in defeat. I want to experience some spiritual wins in this life. So this morning, the worship team is going to 
sing a song of worship and I want to encourage you to respond to the Holy Spirit today. If you need prayer, the altar is open. If you need to sit in your seat and, and worship, no matter what it is that you do, I want you to respond to the Holy Spirit this morning. If you're in this room and you're experiencing a little bit of a struggle with your identity, maybe something happened and, and it, it has rocked you and you've experienced a little bit of a loss of identity and you don't know who you are right now, there's an answer for you in this place. And his name is Jesus. Maybe you're feeling a little bit lonely and you don't know how to win. You felt so distant from God. You felt like it's been a while since he's been close. You find it hard to, to converse with others. You feel alone. There's an answer for you. And his name is Jesus. Maybe you're in here and you might be like me and it's been a, it's been a little bit since you've experienced a big win. There's an answer for you today and his name is Jesus. Jesus, in whom we have victory, in whom we can win. There's a verse that's often overquoted in, in sports and that's Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The head coach of the Oral Roberts University basketball team said, that verse doesn't mean that I can go bench 500 pounds in the name of Jesus. I can do all things, I can do whatever I want through Christ. But before that verse, that's often quoted, Paul says, whether I experience bad things or whether I experience good things, whether I experience the highest of highs or the lowest of lows, whether I'm excited or whether I'm depressed, whether I'm full of joy or full of sadness, through all things I can do with Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things in any season through Christ who gives me strength. Let's respond to the Holy Spirit this morning.
Lord, we thank you that we can experience victory here in this life. That we don't have to wait until we see you face to face in heaven, but we can experience the power of Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit, and walk in victory today. Lord, I pray that as we leave this place that we would not live in a spirit of fear or defeat, that we would not walk with timidity, but God, that we would walk in the power of Jesus. God, I pray over each and every person who is here in this place or watching online, God, that they would experience victory today and victory this week, that this would be the best summer of their lives. Lord, so much has been lost, and I pray and ask that you would return those to them a hundredfold, that they would experience the joy of their salvation again and walk in a spirit of victory in this place. God, we pray for all these things, and we also pray for blessings. God, we pray for safety and protection from any harm that might come to us. God, we give you all the praise and honor and glory. And be with us as we leave this place today. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you all so much for joining us today.